All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast, where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist, and this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. Like if I, if I'm fully honest about it, I do think that, that one of the topics that I spend more time talking about with patients, uh, one of those issues, uh, with which I grapple professionally speaking more than most of the others is, is working with patients on, on shifting their emphasis uh, their focus, uh, from feeling better. Uh, that is to say from feeling less anxiety in the moment, uh, from having, uh, fewer thoughts or, or from not having this thought or from not having that thought to working to manage, resist and prevent compulsions. Uh, and, and that's one of those conversations that often, has to be had over and over again with any given patient. Uh, so no patient should should be offended or should somehow read into uh, that when we end up having the same kind of conversation a number of times, maybe even in a single session or or certainly over the course of a string or or a series of sessions. Because again, this is a steep learning curve. We don't tend to gravitate toward thinking about OCD from the point of view of simply uh, extracting the C from the OCD system. Many of us don't think about simply behaving better and at some point later than consequently feeling better. We really, really want to be able to feel better first and then behave better next. And that just seems chronologically to make sense. And it just seems to fall into place way more simply and cleanly and, and, and logically. And that makes sense. And of course it does. We can all uh, understand uh, and identify with this. But I think that when we're looking at the, the symptom dynamic, what makes it breathe and move and, and function and grow and, and of course shrink, right? When we're looking at the evidence-based process and the literature and the outcome data. And, and again, all these ways that we're engaging the OCD, we put these pieces and parts together. What we really find is that the focus needs to be on behaving better first in order to, at some point later, feeling and thinking better next, right? So I received a, uh, an email from, from a listener uh, and, and he writes, hey, I'm a regular listener. Firstly, would like to say how much I value your podcast. Uh, it gives strength, empowers me, and you discuss the topics that are really important to me. I uh, really appreciate your warm words. Uh, he goes on, I began carrying out compulsions related to radiation, contamination, OCD when I was 13. But I remember being worried about such things from the age of eight. I'm now 46. And I've only sought help in the last 12 months. Along with your podcast, I'm receiving ERP and am a member of an OCD action support group. My question is, let's say someone has visited my house uh, who I'm worried about being contaminated and they sit on the, on the sofa. I do my exposure exercises and manage to 
get to a point where I can sit on the sofa without compulsions. I think, well done me. But then another person comes in and perhaps the contamination worry is slightly different. I feel I'm back to square one. The second worry could be at the top of my hierarchy with, with the one I've just beaten being much lower. I know you would say just sit on the sofa, lean into the anxiety, etc. But I feel that I do that and then a week later I'm back to where I, I, I find it difficult to sit on the sofa again. Do you have any advice or is the only answer to you know, repeatedly keep repeating the ERP with regards to this? Uh, we exchanged some correspondences and in a follow-up email, uh, he writes, the ERP is certainly helping and I'm uh, really working at this without let up every day, all day, but it's tough. It's like I said, I, I might conquer sitting on the sofa today, but tomorrow the goalposts uh, have, have moved. I think that my first remark uh, would be in relationship to, to the statement, I managed to get to a point where I can sit on the sofa without compulsions. As I read through this comment, my sense of what is, is, is being conveyed isn't so much I get to a place where I am able to not do compulsions. I suspect that what's, what the, the author is meaning to convey is actually I managed to get to a place where my urge to do compulsions is lower. Where, where the anxiety that's associated with the urge or the obsessional experience is actually decreased in severity. I, I actually come to a place where I don't feel so intensely and I'm all right. And then maybe we summarize that by saying, and I'm able to not do compulsions. But the point of the matter is you could have always at any point not done compulsions. This is, this is where I say it's, it's simple, not easy, right? It's simple that I can simply say no to compulsions but it's not easy in the sense that I may still have this residual anxiety. And that residual anxiety might be really, really tall and broad and intense, right? The thoughts that are, that are eliciting that anxiety might be many and furious. And I don't mean to suggest just because the choice is simple, no to compulsions means that it's easy. Most certainly not. For, for the vast majority of us on many, many, many occasions, that choice is anything but easy, but make no mistake, it is a simple choice. You can sit on the sofa and say no to, that is to say, do no to compulsions. You can, you just haven't yet for many of us, right? You can, you just don't generally. You can and you will. So I, I think that, that again, going back to the idea for lots and lots of us, the, the emphasis gets shifted, right? And we focus on feeling better first and acting better next. But what I really want to challenge you to do is to act better, if you will, to act healthily, that is to say without compulsions, first with the intention that eventually at some point in the future, try and put down your stopwatch, try and put down your calendar, try and put down your question marks. Well, how long is it going to take? Well, 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 what exactly do you mean? When should I start to feel better? Let's try and put all that aside and simply focus our attention and our energy ongoingly on, on behaving better, meaning specifically stopping compulsions, knowing that immediately you will not feel better. In fact, I would submit to you for many of you, immediately you will feel worse. So anticipate this. 
just anticipate. Remember this moment in the podcast when you work to stop your compulsions. Here it is. The tide has come in and it's even worse than it was before. Just anticipate that that moment will come. And when it does, you hold your ground. Stop the compulsions. Hold tight your grip to no, I don't need to do that. And let's just see what happens over the next five to 10 to 15 minutes. Let's see what happens over the next one to two hours. Let's see what happens over the next day or so. Just hold on. Hang in there. Endure. Push through this. Let's say no. It's simple. Yes. But it's not easy. Nobody who's been through this and who's fought the battle you're fighting has said it's easy. No. But you can do this. So that's the first piece. The second piece is uh, the ERP is certainly helping, and I'm and I'm really working at this without letting up uh, every day all day. But it's tough. It's like I said, I might conquer sitting on the sofa today, but tomorrow the goalposts uh, have moved. I, I think that to my mind, what we're articulating here is is something of a of a common philosophy of exposure therapy, right? That exposure therapy functions in order to reduce my anxiety, and I think that for lots and lots of people. That's a, that's a full green light. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I do exposures to feel better. And, and I don't necessarily have, uh, it, I don't necessarily have a problem with this philosophy, except I would echo what I understood Dr. Abramowitz to say in a previous conversation when, when he was sort of suggesting that some patients can choose to do exposures for the express and exclusive purpose of reducing their anxiety. And if that's the reason they're doing exposure therapy, meaning specifically, again, if that's the exclusive and express reason they're doing exposure therapy, their reasoning for doing exposures falls within the definitional parameter of compulsion, right? They're only doing this to feel better, only. There is no other reason that they're doing the exposure than to feel better. And maybe at, at this point, many of you are nodding your head. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why I do exposures. Isn't that why you're supposed to do exposures? And I might say, well, habituation or the reduction of anxiety over the course of time is like a byproduct of good exposure work. Yeah, that's true. But is that the aim of why we do exposures? I would say, no, the aim of doing an exposure is to practice skills. The, the aim is to be able to learn that you can tolerate your anxiety, that you don't have to do compulsions, and that when you resist and prevent compulsions and tolerate the anxiety that, that, that persists over the course of time, that anxiety comes to manage itself. It changes on its own. You learn that your OCD is not happening to you. You learn that you're actually happening to your OCD. As you engage compulsions as a way of trying to manage all of this, what happens is the symptoms are only encouraged and refueled to continue on heckling you and pecking you to death. The idea becomes in doing an exposure I'm, I'm facing both prolongedly and 
repeatedly an anxiety producing situation without the quote unquote aid help of compulsions. And in that process, I'm learning that the anxiety changes on its own. And so this, this notion that, <coughs> and so this notion that, you know, I might conquer sitting on the sofa today, but tomorrow the goalposts have moved. Well, what hasn't moved is the lessons learned, the principles behind what's changed. What, what hasn't what hasn't moved is the idea that when I work to stop compulsions and my anxiety changes on its own, I take that experience with me into the next moment and into the next day and, and into the next anxiety producing situation. This idea that I learn some realities about how my OCD feeds itself, how it moves and breathes and lives. I, I learned these things and, and, and what I've, what I've realized is that I can manage my anxiety. What I've realized is that I can tolerate it, right? And maybe I say that in the other way around. I've learned that I can tolerate it. And in fact, I can manage it, right? And, and what I mean to say by that is when I stop the compulsions and again, tolerate the anxiety producing thoughts and emotionality that results, what happens is those symptoms reduce in severity on their own. Well, that's it for another episode of OCD Straight Talk. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have to chrislines04 at gmail.com. If you found the podcast helpful, consider giving it a five-star rating or subscribing to OCD Straight Talk for structured help with your anxiety or OCD symptoms.